Today on Blue 58, we dive into a position that for the first time in a long time, the Packers really don't have a pressing need for. Inside linebacker, Devondre Campbell took care of all of their problems last year, and he's back for 2022, signing a contract extension or re-signing with the Packers this offseason. But if the Packers do decide to look at an inside linebacker, what should they be looking for? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. I'm excited to talk inside linebackers. I'm excited to talk about every position, pretty much. I feel like that's how I open up every, every single draft position preview. But inside linebacker, to me, is is an interesting position because of what it says about the NFL as a whole. I think it's kind of a bellwether for where the NFL is in a given time period. Think about the game of football generally. It's highlighted, if not, I guess, defined by violence. It's a violent sport. And the position, I think, most associated with that kind of violent aspect of the game is inside linebacker, middle linebacker. Think about the iconic players at that position throughout the years. Just ripping off a few, Ray Nitschke, Mike Singletary, Dick Butkus, Ray Lewis, Brian Urlacher. A lot of big name guys have come through there. And if you're a certain kind of football fan, I think that is kind of the defining feature of the sport for you. I had a friend growing up who his loyalty was kind of for sale in terms of what NFL teams he rooted for, but he really gravitated towards teams that had an iconic inside linebacker. He loved, though he's an outside linebacker, uh, he loved the the Buccaneers for Derek Brooks, off-the-ball linebacker type. He loved the Ravens for Ray Lewis. He loved the Bears for Brian Urlacher. And I kind of get it. Like, it's it's a really fun position to watch, and if you uh, don't want to be just about all the, the numbers, the stats, the, the high-tech wizardry kind of that is, that is offensive football, I think you're going to gravitate towards inside linebackers. But the position has changed. I don't want to say it is changing. It, it is different than it was. A guy who is just the big brawler in the middle of the field is a dinosaur now. You cannot be just that big hulking pile of muscle who takes on guards and stuffs the run in the middle of the field because that game is over. There is no no role for you as a premier linebacker if that's all that you do. You've got to be a sideline-to-sideline athlete. You've got to be a guy who can drop down the seam and cover a tight end. You've got to be a guy who still is big and strong enough to take on those guards and centers and fill a gap, or just, you know, that hole opens up on a gap run, and you've got to step in there and take on a lead blocker. There is some of that still, but it's not just any one thing. And I think that makes evaluating linebackers really, really hard. I'll get to some of the tools that I've used to look at this class and why I think they failed, actually, here in a second, but just look at how the Packers use their inside linebackers. They've got really defined roles for these guys. Dating back to not just with Joe Barry, but to Mike Pettin and to Dom Capers. Typically, they have one guy who takes up most of the snaps. Call that role, I don't know, the the playmaker or the captain or whatever, something like that. He's going to be wearing the radio helmet. He's going to be out on the field most of the time. He'll be kind of the do-everything guy for the Packers. And traditionally, they haven't had a big 
actual playmaker kind of guy there. Up until Devondre Campbell, you probably got to go back to Nick Barnett for the real playmaking ability at that position. But they want a guy there who's going to soak up a whole bunch of snaps and kind of do a little bit of everything. Next to him, in their two inside linebacker sets, you've got the enforcer. This is a guy who last year would have been a Chris Barnes, but looking past or looking back over the past four or five years is going to be guys like Antonio Morrison, B.J. Goodson. This is the thumper linebacker. This is the more traditional, going to step up and, and fill the gaps and stop the run linebacker. You're going to be a little bit beefier, maybe not quite as fast, but man, you're going to bring the lumber when you hit. Beyond that, you've got sort of the rangy super coverage guy. This would have been Oren Burks last year, but it could be any number of guys, even some safeties. Adrian Amos fills this kind of role sometimes. Uh, Dating back a little bit further, Joe Thomas. Um, It's the guy who's going to be out there on passing downs to match up maybe against a tight end but maybe just a little bit of extra muscle on the off chance that they run on like a third and four, third and five, something like that. More obvious passing downs, but you still want a little bit of beef out there too. The modern linebacker is generally going to fill one of those roles. And then you start mixing in special teams. The Packers tend to love guys like Isaiah McDuffie and Ty Summers that are just going to fill in on special teams. And you've got a bunch of different directions that you can go. And that's why the process that I think I use to, to tear out some of these athletes in this class this year is, is basically flawed. I don't know if it's fatally flawed because I think we, we've identified some, some good guys using it, but I think you start defining it down too much and, well, you kind of lose a lot of focus. A position like running back that we looked at last time has a lot narrower spectrum of different roles that guys can have. But as we've just said, We've got three, even four different roles on the Packers alone, and that's just within their defense. Other teams may have different needs, though it's going to be broadly similar, I think. But there's there's a bunch of interesting players in this draft class. So I think I'd like to focus more on just guys that I think are, are both good and interesting, talk a little bit about their roles, and then go from there. Uh, we don't have to necessarily focus on the tiers because like I said, the the Packers have their, their different roles. Let's just talk about some guys that are really good and why we think they might be good. Broadly speaking, I do want to focus a lot on, on athleticism. So we're going to talk about relative athletic score a lot, but also speed score guys that can move their mass quickly. Generally speaking, we want guys that are making plays on the ball too. So ball Hawks are going to come up as well, but I just generally like to talk about guys that I think are interesting at a bunch of different levels here, including one guy, the likes of which I've never really seen before. In fact, two of them really in this class, the likes of which I've, I've never really seen before. So starting at the top, kind of going alphabetical by last name uh, among this first first group. Uh, first, the class as a whole, if you go by CBS Sports um, inside linebacker rankings or guys they just qualify as off-the-ball linebackers. This is a pretty deep class. If the Packers needed an inside linebacker, I'd be pretty confident that they could get one in this draft that is at least capable of running around and hitting some stuff pretty hard. There are a ton of good athletes at inside linebacker in this class. How many? Well, in the CBS Sports database, they have 36 guys categorized as off-ball linebackers. 
Some of them might end up being more edge types. A couple of them you could argue are probably closer to being safeties. Um, but there are a lot of, of inside linebacker prospects in this class. Of those 36, 16 of them have a relative athletic score of 9 or better. 8 is qualified as elite. 9 or better is like ultra-elite athletes among a selection of ultra-elite athletes. So that's the kind of group that we're talking about this year. It is a good class. There are a lot of interesting prospects. The guy I'd like to start with, with is Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin. Six foot three, 250 pounds, a relative athletic score of 9.99. He is a phenomenal athlete at that size. Speed score 109.5. He is as close, I think, to the classic inside linebacker type as I think you can get in 2022. Someone described him as a cinder block wall in a scouting report. I think that's pretty accurate. You don't see a lot of plays where he is attempting to hit somebody and just bouncing off, which is about the worst thing, worst feeling you can have as a a football fan watching your defense. A guy squares up for a big hit, either doesn't wrap up or the running back or whoever, ball carrier just runs through him, he bounces off, it's over. And I feel like we've seen that a lot in Green Bay over the years. Chanel doesn't have that problem. He may look a little bit stiff, but he can clearly make up for it in testing. And if you're looking at a Packers-type fit for him, he looks like that Antonio Morrison, B.J. Goodson, thumper type, that sidekick linebacker. But he's got athleticism that those kind of guys can only dream of. Wisconsin didn't seem to put him in coverage a whole lot because they didn't have to. He could do things for their defense that affected the opposing offense without having him be in coverage. Had 16 ball hawks, most of them sacks, but just comes downhill with authority and regularity. He is a big hitter. And he was probably going to go in the first couple rounds here. Damone Clark out of LSU is a similar sort of player to Chanel. 6'3", 237 pounds, so a little bit lighter. Athletic score, 9.86, a little bit lower. He doesn't make a ton of plays on the ball, only 17 ball hawks, but he plays kind of like a poor man's Chanel. He's like a, I would say, like a Chris Barnes, but taller. A little bit light, pretty fast, uh, but will be around the ball a lot and doesn't seem to mess up when he gets there. Switching to the hyper-modern linebacker type is Christian Harris out of Alabama. I'm intrigued by him just because there aren't a whole lot of guys like him who are projected to go kind of where he is in the draft. Six feet tall, 226 pounds, but can run. Speed score of 116, that is because he runs the 40-yard dash in 4.44 seconds. Not a ton of plays on the ball. Ten of his 16 ball hawks are sacks. A lot of those are, are the cleanup type sacks. Uh, or blitzes. It's not like he's uh, some premium pass rusher, but he does get into the backfield a lot. And I think his size shows up up on tape a lot. He does look a little bit small out there, and you wonder really what his role is in the NFL. But if you want to take the modern, small, fast linebacker archetype to its extreme, well, here you go. He is real small. And sometimes, even on on the highlight tapes, he does look like a bit of a guesser. Like when he sees the run play developing, he'll try to guess the gap. And um, he's a good enough athlete. They can, he can make up for wrong guesses 
in the college game, but you wonder if he can do that in the NFL. But just I, I'm intrigued by him just because of how different he is. You don't see a lot of six foot tall linebacker prospects, especially ones as light as he is. What is he going to do in the NFL? I don't know, but he's interesting. And he kind of reminds me of Marwin Evans, who is an elite athlete at safety for the Packers, but actually played kind of that box linebacker role a lot, the the nitro safety, almost a Josh Jones type, if you remember him from a couple of years back. Though Harris is even smaller than Jones was, uh, and he would line up at linebacker a lot. Um, so I think he's an interesting player to to track just because of that unique skill set and, and wondering how it's going to end up working working in the NFL. If you want a purely like clean prospect, I think the guy the guy you got to look at is Devin Lloyd out of Utah. From what I can tell, he seems to be the con- consensus best linebacker in the class. Pro Football Focus, I think, had him like their fifteenth best prospect overall. That seems like a bit high for a modern linebacker, but maybe he is that good. But six foot three, two hundred and thirty seven pounds. He has all the athleticism you could want, and he's making plays on the ball all over the field. Fifteen and a half sacks, five interceptions, four passes defense, then a fumble forced. He does it all. This is it. This is the modern linebacker. Good speed, good size. He's making plays all over. It's one of those guys that, even if you're not scouting by film, if you just look at the the rubric I broadly used for this, he just jumps out because he stuffs the stat sheet at, in every way. He's got the athleticism you look for. I don't know what else you want. If you're looking to nitpick a little bit, um, according to Pro Football Focus, he does have a 12.5% career missed tackle rate, which is a lot. Uh, It's concerning to see a a figure like that at the college level, especially given his athleticism and and size advantage over a lot of the guys he's going to be playing against. I would have some concerns about that if I was taking him... um, to be my, I don't know, linebacker of the future probably is a little bit strong, but uh, to be a linebacker on my team. But still, given the overall skill set, given the totality of his work, I think you got to be, you got to be at least a little bit interested there. He reminds me of a Devondre Campbell type. He does it all, and does it all pretty well. In that same vein is Quay Walker out of Georgia, a little bit bigger, six foot four, two hundred forty-one pounds. Another thumper type, but with the added benefit of being pretty good in coverage. There are a lot of those downhill thumper types in this class, but fewer great coverage guys. Walker, though, is pretty darn good in coverage. Most of the true coverage guys are smaller than he is, and will actually end up playing something more like safety in college, but Walker isn't. He is not quite the athlete that some of these other guys are, but we're splitting hairs there. And there may be some aspects of his skill set that are a little bit limited, but being good in coverage, being around the ball a lot, albeit downfield a little bit. I I thought about, and I should add this here, I thought about putting in um, a screener for tackles for loss just to see how often guys are making plays on the on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Walker doesn't really have that many. In his college career, just 11 tackles for loss, which is not all that many. Uh, that would be near the very bottom end of the class. In fact, just scanning over my notes here really quickly, among the linebackers for whom I have that data, 11 tackles for loss is actually 
unless I'm missing somebody here, the very last in the class. But like so many guys that we've seen in Georgia's front, that could just be a function of how he was used. And without diving into the, the tape at a super deep level, you, you can give him a little bit of a pass on that. It's like Trayvon Walker uh, out of Georgia as well. So maybe he's a little bit limited, but maybe it's just an, an issue of responsibilities. And it looks like, broadly speaking, if you've got issues with this guy, it's probably an issue of expectations versus him being able to do what you ask him to do. I don't really have a comp for him on the Packers. I thought about Desmond Bishop. The Bishop was definitely more of the, the downhill type guy, uh, making plays at or around the line of scrimmage, uh, not so much a coverage guy. But um, he he seems like a really a solid player. Maybe not spectacular. Uh, he doesn't have um, some of the playmaking numbers that a guy like Devin Lloyd ha- has either, but he doesn't have a lot of downsides either. Expanding out to guys that maybe missed on a couple of the thresholds that I used, and again, I'm I'm not putting a whole lot of of weight on that this year because of or with with this position specifically, just because of well, because of um, like we said, the the differing roles for linebackers. Uh, but expanding out to a guy that missed on a couple of those thresholds, uh, my personal favorite guy, probably in the entire draft class, I can't exactly say why, uh, though. There are a lot of things to like about him. It's hard to point to just one thing. But Darian Beavers out of Cincinnati, he's just fun to watch. Uh, not quite the athlete that some of these other guys are. Uh, he gets a, a 9.58 overall relative athletic score, which is great. Uh, but he lacks a little bit of the straight line speed that some of these other guys do, just a 4.740. But uh, wingspan for days at six foot four, a little bit lighter than Quay Walker at 237 pounds. Uh, but 27 and a half tackles for loss, three interceptions, five passes defense, three fumbles forced. Point is, he can make some plays on the ball. Doing a good job, getting all over the field. Then to round out this class, I want to spend a second talking about a guy, the likes of which I don't think I've ever really seen. And I know you get guys like this periodically at the small college level, but I can't exactly really recall seeing a guy quite like Troy Anderson at a Montana State. It probably is an overstatement because I'm sure there's somebody else like this out there to call him a completely unique prospect. But he's pretty darn close to being a completely, completely unique prospect. He is six feet four inches tall, 237, 243 pounds, excuse me, runs a 4-4-2 40-yard dash. And he's only been playing linebacker for a year because he converted there after playing both running back and quarterback at Montana State. And also he punted for them. His testing numbers are truly absurd. In addition to the 4-4-40, the totality of his uh, relative athletic score puts him at a perfect 10. 10 for Troy Anderson at Montana State. Six foot four, two hundred forty-three pounds, running a four-four-three forty-yard dash is remarkable, and I guess maybe it comes down to just not quite knowing what to do with him. Again, a small school guy, a late convert, really probably an athlete more than a football player at this point. But athleticism is really key to this game, obviously. And inside linebacker, in particular, is really interesting in terms of of athleticism. To kind of sum up where 
we're at with, with this position, and I guess my thoughts on it. Inside linebacker is more than just being an athlete. But how much more? Is it a lot more? Is it a little bit more? I don't really know. Certainly things like football intelligence play into that. Certainly there's an aspect of being willing to just put your body on the line in a way that a lot of other positions don't have to quite as regularly. And that's an intangible sort of thing. Certainly there's a a general intelligence portion of it being often the guy who's going to be wearing the, the radio helmet. How do you quantify all of those things in addition to having a guy who's a great athlete? I don't know if you can. And even a lot of guys who look like they could play the position at the college level don't end up being able to bear those responsibilities in the NFL. So I'm left wondering, how do you find a good inside linebacker? I've taken a crack at a few here. I think just about any of the guys that I've I've mentioned are, are going to turn out to be pretty good uh, pros. I would have some concerns about Christian Harris's height. I would have some concerns about some some role limitations of a guy like Leo Chanel. Uh, I would have some concerns about the overall um, ceiling on a guy like Quay Walker, though it does seem like he has a high floor. I would be concerned about a guy like uh, Devin Lloyd being good at everything but not really great at anything, it seems like. But I think you're going to be able to take a lot of these guys and succeed with them if you can find a way to use them. And I just don't know if if it's that simple in the NFL anymore, though. Do you have the luxury of, of being able to tailor a role to a, a linebacker who is a little bit limited? Maybe you have more more opportunities for that than ever. If I feel like I'm saying, or if it feels like I'm saying, I don't know a lot in this episode, I, I hope that you will understand 100% that is the case. And I guess that is, that's something that I try to drive home with the draft coverage in general. Hopefully, if you take away anything that I, from what I say about uh, draft stuff at all, is that I'm just trying to give you the, the best shot I have at, at figuring something out about this class. And I don't think that is necessarily a bad place to be. What I am concerned about, stepping back, I guess, from linebackers for a second, what I'm concerned about uh, in the NFL draft, uh, just as an observer, is certainty. I'm concerned with people who say they know exactly who's going to be good and um, really want you to believe they know precisely who that is. Because I think if even if they're, they're honest with you, most general managers in the NFL don't have a precise idea as, uh, as to who's going to be a great player in the NFL. They've got certainly very very good ideas, and the best teams have a a well-defined process for determining who those players are going to be and making sure that they're not wasting draft picks. But even a guy like Ron Wolf said that if he hit on one of three draft picks, he felt pretty good about himself. That's one of the best general managers that's ever been. And he'll just say, yeah, one for three is pretty good, which incidentally should make you more concerned when teams are trying to trade up, because if they'll freely admit that they you know, can't determine exactly who's going to be a good player and they need a bunch of draft picks to figure it out. But then they want to turn around and say, all that aside, we know for sure that this guy's going to be good so we can spend multiple picks on getting him. That seems pretty contradictory to me. Together, though, I think we can come to some kind of conclusion. Maybe some of these guys are going to be good. And if that's the best conclusion that we can get to, I think that's okay too. In any case, that's all I've got for you in this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. 
I hope if you enjoyed it that you will take a second and share it with somebody you think would enjoy it too because that's the number one way that this show grows, through your word of mouth, getting other people involved in this conversation you and I are having about this sport that we love, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.